making a journey. It's rather important and invaluable uh, for us to take some time away from the general familiarity of our day-to-day life. It's important to step back from uh, the known and the familiar. And part of the reason for that is that so much of our identity is built up around the known and the familiar. And that will show itself in the general uh, repetition of particular roles that you and I have. It will show uh, itself in the familiar day-to-day activities, the uh, repetition and the recycling of streams of uh, thoughts and ideas. So we step out of our usual and familiar environment for a period of, uh, of time. And not only are we stepping out from a world which is uh, rather familiar to us, but we're also stepping out of the roles which tend to go with that world. And this leaves us in a state, in a condition, where all that we have done previously, whatever it might be, really doesn't matter too much. Doesn't matter where we were born or family we were brought up in or where we went to school or how much knowledge we know or how much we uh, don't know. And all of that, for a while, is, is put aside. And there's a certain bareness, in a way, in meditation and in day-to-day existence here, a certain kind of bareness to our existence. Sometimes we don't like it, we don't uh, want it. We prefer to fill our life up. But here it's a bit more, rather than filling it up in the usual ways that we do, it's a bit more of the emptying out that's going on. And just recently I was at a a meeting and it was a group meeting after meditation. One of the uh, people uh, in the meeting said that Recently, she had given up uh, cigarette smoking. Always oh, quite a considerable achievement. For those who uh, have smoked, as some of you will know. And she said she could feel again and again this wanting and desire coming and the reaching out that goes with it, in this case, for the cigarette. And at times, she struggled with this and has finally come to some resolution about stopping smoking. And we could say that the movement of the desire that goes on with us, that desire is one, but it keeps landing in different ways and to different degrees on different things. And desire in Dharma language, Buddhist language, is means that the movement that goes on, one's peace of mind is dependent on result. 
this is called desire. One's peace of mind is dependent on result. This is called desire. Rather than action, rather than clear intention, rather than wise movement towards. So here's the force of the desire that comes. And the regularity and the necessity and the practice of trying to let go of the desire. In this case, cigarette, it could be anything. And then the gr- others in the group responding to that were saying, kind of very uh, Buddhistically, I would say, um, how important it is to uh, let go of uh, the desires. And when we let go of the desires for things that we want, then we can be much more, wait for it, here and now. And everybody here nods their head, says, yes, very nice, etc. But I don't think it necessarily communicates something else which is deeper. That, in other, in other words, there's sometimes the movement towards the reaching out and grasping onto that I spoke to about a couple of days ago. There may be a, a great deal of genuine uh, letting go, so important, but sometimes even in all of that, there still may be deep inside some kind of yearning which goes on. And that isn't easy to deal with in life. That kind of feeling of yearning and, and yet there is some knowledge and this is uh, part of the toughness of practice with these things that there is some understanding that in truth, in reality there ain't no happiness out there in the world. The world cannot give happiness. And sometimes when somehow deep down inside of us, sometimes we know it. We get a bit of this, a taste of this, a taste of a taste of that, but the world can't give it to us. And all our efforts and struggles, and the very thing which gives us happiness for a while, does undergo change, as we all know and experience, and what seems to have made us happy can make us unhappy and can make us happy again and can make us we don't know whether we're happy or unhappy this is what the world, living in this world is like it's a strange place to, for us to find ourselves in and we didn't choose to be here by the way never forget and then we say the world can't make me happy I can't get happiness out of this uh, world and I look at the people who seem to be so successful you know, they're rich, they're famous, they've got everything, and they look miserable as sin and trying to tell us that they're not. And I don't have a God. I can't believe in G.O.D. out there, somewhere. How could I believe in G.O.D. who permits what's going on in the Middle East as you and I sit here? And sometimes you say, in this world I can't find happiness which is sustainable and continuous. I keep meditating, I've been coming on these dreadful retreats for years, <laughs> and all I can experience is body sensations and some wandering thoughts. And I don't believe in God. I just can't reconcile 
a God in the world and, uh, and how a, a loving God could permit the obscenities that go on on this earth what do I do? where do I turn? and sometimes in this journey through life this yatra as the Buddha would say this journey, this pilgrimage through, through existence what I'm left is it is some kind of yearning or wanting and I've got nowhere to go nowhere for it to turn no, no resolution of it nothing up there called God nothing out uh, there which is absolutely fulfilling and when I look inside myself it's hopeless then what do I do? and what do I do? and sometimes we have to live this we have to live this kind of, uh, of, of question live this kind of yearning and, and some kind of mystery, some kind of strangeness that goes along with it that the life and the movement of our life seems again and again to keep raising more questions than it seems to be able to answer sometimes in this strange world and strange inner life that we experience we find that in the experience when it, uh, when it arises it's often difficult and some will speak of how difficult it is it's painful it's, uh, there doesn't seem to be any real resolution to it and, and sometimes in vulnerable moments or in unexpected moments in loss, in separation in, in spontaneously one doesn't know why this, this yearning, this questioning, this wondering what's it all about suddenly springs up if something happens to us we can't provide an answer we can't explain it and then it, this wondering this yearning, this questioning just is back in, back in our consciousness and we say, we look at this we, and, we, and we experience this and then we have, shall we say a kind of relationship to this and we say, I want it to go away I want my life to be easier I don't want to be feeling this I, want, I don't want to be living this but I feel though it isn't easy sometimes the experience of, of life being rather raw and bare and simple and kind of stripped away I think there's something honest about it I think we've kind of a moving through life and we've become kind of overdressed if you know what I mean we, we, we've got too many layers too many roles too many identities too many things to do and we've wrapped all this around us there as some kind of protection from what I've no idea and what we know is that all these roles and identities we have can't be protected we're all vulnerable anything can change they could collapse with us at any time, at any moment and so I say, we can learn to live with a, a bit more uh, bareness of existence, shall we say instead of so much time in life to think it's important to achieve and, and um, do things well and even with the good things of life we want to help other people, we want to 
whatever interests and skills we have, we want to share them with others. But actually, I don't think I don't think that's the really important thing of life. I think it's getting a bit deeper in our being that actually makes a difference. And and that and that means rather than being somebody in this world, which I think is hopeless anyway, but rather some experience of being nobody. Kind of go away, moving away from the normal culture of trying to be somebody in this world or think one is that one is somebody, which is a hopeless idea, to actually turn around and to look the other way, feel the other way, be nobody. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Of course it's uncomfortable. Spend one's whole life trying to be someone and then to find out someone is saying be nobody, it's bound to be a bit uncomfortable. But somewhere in being nobody, somewhere, maybe it's a little authentic. Maybe there's something genuine. Maybe there's a little bit of humility for us. Maybe we're not so significant. Maybe we're just life unfolding itself. Maybe we're, we're just belonging to nature, part of nature. Maybe that interconnectedness that's go, going on, that something very freeing about it and very rather joyful about it because we rather delight in not having to be somebody. And I think happiness comes in a rather opposite direction to what we think. Happiness comes to us in a rather opposite direction to what we think and what we believe and what we imagine and mostly what we have been told so often. It's being born and moving through the world, the journey through life. It's all rather wonderful phenomena in a way. The fact that you and I, we, as I said earlier, never asked to be born. One could spend one's whole life dwelling on this simple thought. Not as a problem, just as a fact. One never asked to be born. That you and I, we weren't floating around there in mega space and we said to ourselves, X number of years ago, right, down there on the old earth, I'll pick out a couple of people and then I'll land. What happens there, there, etc., etc. And now others may say, oh, one's past life, etc., etc. And so one chose this birth, which is what you hear in Tottenham High Street. <laughs> <laughs> live there, you believe it. And, <laughs> and so sometimes we take a view uh, there. But if we actually look and, and uh, reflect a, a little bit, here where we find ourselves, as it were, living in this world and going through a whole sequence of events, none of which were chosen. It's not like one said, I choose to be female or I choose to be male. Not like one said, oh, I'll choose to uh, look like this. 
and, and clearly the number of people that are going under the knife clearly didn't choose to look like this because now there's a huge momentum to look like something else there <laughs> invariably worse uh, so something goes on with us and then there's this movement through life called ageing who on earth would choose to age? who would say God I can't wait to look old and decrepit <laughs> not that the two necessarily go together but there are a few cases <laughs> who would choose who would choose that some, as some of us are finding as we get well into the grey haired club that, that one feels the, the body itself doesn't all age simultaneously it doesn't there are parts of this body here which I am convinced are ageing at a different rate to the rest. The left knee is definitely ageing faster than the right, I can tell you every time I get off this cushion. How is it that this, all this is going on, and as it were, we're the temporary tenant inside, not really, but we're the temporary tenant inside, and the temporary uh, tenant says, I didn't choose any of this. And it won't be long before, whoever I is, I'll be joining the nuns in the back garden. How come? Extraordinary phenomena to be in. And amidst this extraordinariness uh, of it, here we are, talking about making big choices in our life. Come on. Here we are, talking about, I have big decisions to make or thinking about them. All the major, I wouldn't call them decisions, all the major events in our life have actually already taken place. It's called being born. It's called ageing. It's called living from one day to the next. The big things in life have already happened and are already happening and we end up with a strange thing that there is something more important happening, or will happen, than living one day at a time. How could there be? Where do we get this idea of big choices and big decisions to make in my life? So here, here we live with a kind of strange thing of magnification, building things up to an extraordinary degree, and rather missing Life doesn't care about our big choices. Life doesn't care about our so-called major decisions to make. Life just carries us along. And in the best spirit of it, let's go along for the ride and enjoy it. Let's not make such a fuss about it. At all. About anything. Enjoy it. Live it. For the ride. That's all. And when the end of the ride comes, say la vie. Somehow, reconnecting and, uh, and getting back to, some politicians said, getting back to basics. Will 
give us access to a different kind of feeling in life, a different kind of enjoyment of life, a different kind of, of, of connection uh, in life. In the days of our life, in the, in the immediacy of things, when you and I reflect a little bit, when I notice, and perhaps some of you do as well, that some of the valuable and important things that have occurred to us were actually completely unpredictable. Think that you and I turn our turn our turn our attention, and we say, "What were some of the important events in my uh, life?" And so I might say, "What well, have I had any?" Let me try and think for a moment. Um, I can't think of any. Uh, <laughs> anybody know me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let, let's say I'm kind of dreaming up something here. So, when I was a young guy, I was travelling on the road. Now, before then, I was brought up as a, a Roman Catholic. And when I was travelling on the road, this is on the road to the, to the east, through the, this lovely, hospitable country, Turkey, Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, in, into India, etc. I couldn't predict that when I left home, it would take me ten years and ten years days exactly to get back. I couldn't have said I was going to be away for a ten year period like some of you have been on the road. I couldn't have pre- pre- uh, predicted that. Uh, probably way too soon anyway. Uh, I couldn't have predicted I'll become a Buddhist monk, let's say. I couldn't have predicted that I'd end end up as being a meditation teacher, etc. etc. Who knows how life goes? So there's this unfoldment which is going on, and then there are various experiences, inner ones, let alone the outer ones that happen to us. You know, don't suppose Siddhartha Gautama sitting um, under uh, some instantly forgettable tree in Budgaya two and a half thousand years ago, sat under there and said, boy, can't wait for the next morning to come up. Am I, am I going to make an impact on this world? <laughs> no, of course not. Guy just sat under the tree. Came to some insights, came to some realizations, spent seven uh, weeks there, walked uh, 200 kilometers to uh, Saranath, gave some uh, uh, teachings, they flew on, and something about the truth of them, the bare truth of them, struck a chord struck something. Life stripped away to its bareness. Let's face it. Let's look at it. Dispense with our personal gods. Dispense with the secular culture and, and the culture of producing and consuming for the reason for existence. Abandon both and then see where we are. What an incredible, powerful message for men and women to do, to look at. And it struck a chord. He couldn't have predicted that. How could he have known that? Not in his own life, nor, nor in subsequent generations, etc. 
As I say, many, many things in life, other experiences. Sometimes you've been reading a book, and just one sentence in the book has touched you. Or one particular book, or one theme. And before one started reading that book, one had no idea of the impact it would make on one's life. And one can say with one's hand on one's heart, my goodness, this touched me. And it was a turning point in my life. Oh, one went from A to B, and I'm including uh, Guy House here and many other people that you've had contact with. Most of the deep conversations and meetings that we had, we couldn't have predicted the impact it would have on us. Someone is a lovely, lovely dear friend of mine, uh, uh, Radha, who was with us in Sana. She uh, said to me when I was a monk, 1976 that, or 75, something like that, mid-1970s, that I'd given a talk somewhere uh, in India. And somewhere in all of that talk, whatever it was that was said, something struck her. And it became a turning point in her life. And she never forgot that moment. And you and I have had these moments in our, had these moments in our life. And there's a part of the beauty of life and the wonder and the mystery and the vulnerability of it is just how unpredictable it is. And that's its authentic character, its authentic nature. And somehow or other we've got to let our being, let our inner life kind of feel that. If, if we just take any day of our existence, even in dear old Gaia House, Looks nice and orderly. Space seems to run very well. Good managers. Good team. Lovely gardens, etc., etc. And all that. You know, it seems looking lovely, and for the most part, it, it is. But all the other events that go on in the inner life in a day here, all the other expected things that go on around us in. Uh, in uh, every, every moment. When we just did the walk up the, the, the hill up there, there are not many teachers who are taking the yogis, as we call you, for a walk. We did that good lady with her two dogs. When we got to the very top there, there are a whole line of people. Not in 3,000 years have they seen a line of people up there. I wasn't sure who was more surprised, the two dogs or the good lady. <laughs> Could one predict it? Of course not. And I just remember just a few years ago, on the other side of the hill, when we had the, uh, the, the uh, before we moved to the convent, we were in the vicarage, the priest's uh, house there. And we had a Zen master at Gaia House. And he took, you mean, with a line in here because they were getting up at about 4.45 in the morning and at 5 o'clock in the morning he was taking the, the group out jogging and for so the whole group were jogging down the lane he was in front of them with a kind of band round his head <laughs> jogging backwards <laughs> they were all chanting some strange Buddhist mantra this was at five o'clock in the morning and a little old lady woke up 
looked out the window, horror, horror, telephoned the police and said there was a local terrorist group in training along the lane. Please come over quickly. Run by some strange-looking man from the Far East. So the police came round and, and they said, oh, no, no, it's just got a house. <laughs> Gave a whole new meaning to the word Taravadin. <laughs> Bad joke. <laughs> so sometimes things t- take place in life. Things happen in life, they arise in life. And part of our challenge in life is, is to see that, feel that, connect, connect, connect with that. Life doesn't work according to plan. It doesn't work according to predictability. We can't maintain and keep a control over existence. It's not on, it doesn't work. And the more effort we do, the more life keeps coming in and says, Life ain't to be controlled. It can't be dominated. It can't be, it can't be fixed. And if, if we can reflect on that, that might open up the consciousness more. It might help us a little bit more to reflect and feel a bit more broadly about things. And not have life, not have the view of life, somehow wanting it to constrain it to how we imagine it should be. Can we have a relationship to life in which we're not trying to constrain it to how we think it should be? Supposing we sense that and feel that, supposing the nature keeps reminding us of that, perhaps that opening up in our inner life might bring a lot of joy, might bring a lot of happiness, might bring a lot of wonder and mystery and uncertainty and unpredictability and vulnerability. But if it means joy and wonder and mystery and vulnerability, I'd rather take both than sacrifice both. I'd rather take the difficult and the honesty of it and the joy and the wonder of it than trying hopelessly to play safe by controlling life and closing down and numbing the emotions, numbing the connection with life. In our day, in our meditations uh, here and the uh, explorations uh, uh, with our meditations, I mentioned this morning a few uh, features, um, the mindfulness, the uh, concentration, uh, the energy, the heart, uh, appreciation, joy, happiness uh, in, in the moment, and the uh, use of the forms as, uh, as much as possible. And with the application of that, these are some of the conditions which can meet and come together in the development of the mind to contribute as a foundation or as a basis towards feeling more happy. If some of those conditions take place, and that means that you might endeavour, not easy, to uh, attend 
to uh, an interest to bring those that together more and more, then that acts as a real support, those factors that I just mentioned. Sometimes the inner life is going through a very difficult period. One can come on a retreat, the intentions are deep happiness, and one finds that's not the reality. One feels very, 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 very far away from it. So some may say, well, given my life, given my circumstances, at the, to some degree that's predictable or whatever. Others may be here, and some of you may be feeling and may be thinking, I didn't expect to have to deal with this. I didn't expect all this to be coming up. And all the distress uh, and stress and tension and sometimes despair that can be going along with it. What happens when we're feeling like that? What happens when we're in that kind of turmoil and words like uh, uh, happiness and mindfulness and connection and wonder seem a million light years away from where we are? And that, <coughs> in, in such times where some of the simple but important practices uh, really do matter, what I got in mind here, kind of practices of saying, to remind oneself, this difficulty which is arising in the moment, whatever it is, let it arise to pass. Let me remember that what comes, comes to go. And that's specifically important to recognize and remember and appreciate with the difficulty. It arises to pass, it arises to pass. And if one has to use one's thought and reflection and intention and reminders, it's arising to pass, it's arising to pass. When we're more working with that, difficult as it is, then there'll be less projection into the future. Part of the reason, amongst the many, that difficulties tend to continue is we give them such authority that we keep imagining the future will get worse. The future is very difficult. The problem will keep extending itself in time. And, and this thought and this belief painfully extends it. So it's not easy, and one would never say it's easy, of course, to give ourselves a reminder, this is arising to pass, this is coming to go. Sometimes, in the midst of difficulty, we also need to ask ourselves, and that isn't easy as well, if something is strong and it's repeating itself and it's, it's difficult, somewhere, as we all know, somewhere there are some lessons. There's something that's been going on, past and present, which is being ignored. And because it's not being addressed, because it's not being attended to, it keeps coming up as a kind of reminder to us, this has to be addressed. So if... One, if any of you, going through a very, very difficult period uh, there. And it's just not changing, it's not going away, and there's painful memory of how much this has been going on uh, in the past. Then, rising to past is one aspect to bear in mind. Secondly, what are some of the lessons I have to learn here? What is it? that I genuinely need to change. I have to have 
and cultivate and practice cultivating some other point of view about it, some other way of looking at it. That isn't easy sometimes because the level of despair runs from the experience right to the view about it as well. When despair is strong, it's not only in the experience, but the despair is in the view as well. It kind of goes everywhere, all over the heart and heart and mind. And obviously, sometimes things are especially difficult. Find me, I'll uh, meet and talk with you on the one-to-one. Even when things are going through, when uh, a person is going through the difficult ways, still there'll be moments when that doesn't feel to have any pressure, when that's not absolutely there. Those lights, those uh, moments of breakthrough, those moments of feeling appreciation, a sense of something different, really, really are important. We've got to listen for those, we've got to uh, connect connect with those. When we're not, the mind isn't going on about it like today, we just take, take a walk perhaps we're just taking the walk uh, up the hill and uh, uh, down the hill perhaps there's just a, a few moments when there's some acknowledgement of the view of the, of the spring coming through and the life force all emerging through just some acknowledgement just beginning to come through that also just helps that the consciousness is getting a little bit more clear a little bit all this we want to allow to, to develop in the time that we hear, so that we, uh, like the Buddha said, sometimes you know we're like the lotus, and sometimes we're we're stuck in the mud, stuck in the mud of life. And that happens. Sometimes we feel we're just moving up through the surface. Sometimes we feel the lotus of our existence is just below the surface, and sometimes we feel in the that the lotus has come through, it's flat, flowered through. It can't ever fall back into the mud. It can't ever sink back down to what it's was. It's come through and it's bright and its consciousness has released itself from that, that um, sense of being pulled down by the circumstances of life, but whatever they are. So if we keep the exploration going, if we keep note of some of those uh, factors, if we make an time for some of the uh, unpredictable aspects of life, feel and know that life is to be enjoyed for itself, not for what I want from it. And if all of that can be brought forth out, out of our being, then life is a wonder. It is an extraordinary uh, event. It is something which is deep and mystical and profound and remarkable. And one feels one's existence is participating in in something. All of that, I feel, offers a kind of deep middle way, a very important, uh, illuminating, liberating one, in which secular culture, meaning producing and consuming and being somebody, that's primary values, not where one's heart is, and doesn't feel that the reason for existence. Nor looking for something outside uh, to take care of us. Leaving, leaving the, the religious uh, monotheistic ideology out of it. And then perhaps 
in the midst of things we can discover some middle way which helps us to realize life deeply and the joy comes from that let's have a couple of silent minutes thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and dharma seed please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.